0: Better than that. And we're going to learn the book of Genesis. This is an incredible book, a marvelous book, breathtaking in its scope, um, profound in its inspiration. Beginning at verse 14, we're picking up on the fourth day of creation. It says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and he made the stars also. Can you say it with me? He made the stars. Not a big bang. All right, God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Now day five. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures. And every living thing that moves. Watch that now. Every living thing that moves was created by God with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And I'm so glad he did that one. I love birds. Verse 23, so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Now we come to day six, hugely crucial. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the sea. Say with me, everybody, have dominion. dominion. He put man over everything he created. Have dominion. And God said, in verse 29, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, To you it shall be to smoke. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? I'm sorry, I misread. The only reason I threw that out is I had somebody say to me one time, well, hey, sure I smoke pot, but God gave us everything to enjoy. I said, he gave it to you to eat. Are you going to go eat poison ivy or smoke poison ivy? Just because it's there doesn't mean you smoke it, and that goes for tobacco too. Notice God wants us to have dominion over the herbs, not them have dominion over us. Verse 30, also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for what everybody? Food. And it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good, so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thank you for your word, Lord. Bless it to our hearts tonight in Jesus' name amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And you know what, Steve, I'd just like to move this down here. Can I, I want to get a little bit closer to the folks. I feel too promoted up here. I'd like to be down. If we can do that, I appreciate it. Ah, that's better. There we go. Yeah. All right. Last week we saw that in the beginning, in the beginning there was a beginning. The earth was chaos, that's literally the Hebrew, it was chaos, a formless mass covered in thick darkness. The earth was just nothing, it was a formless mass covered in darkness so thick there was no light at all. God's first creation was light, and this before the sun, moon, and stars. And you say, well, then where did the light come from? If he created light as his first creation before the sun, moon, and stars, it came straight from him. The Bible says God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. It says of Jesus in him, that is Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And so God was the light. When God said let there be light, his own light lit up that formless mass that had been covered in thick darkness. In day two, God brought order. He brought order by creating what he called the firmament to separate the waters of the sea from the waters in the clouds. Beginning right here, all the way up to the stars, is, comprises the firmament. This includes all that is visible above the earth, the celestial globe, And all the spheres and orbs of light above, that all comprises what the Bible calls the firmament. Then in day three, God gathered the waters of the sea, because the whole earth was covered in water. Just like in Noah's day, when the the, uh, earth was covered in water in the great flood, before God separated the waters from the land... That formless mass of earth that was covered in thick darkness was also covered, totally covered, submerged in water. So day three, God gathered the waters of the sea together by causing the dry land to appear, and he called the dry land earth. Then he created vegetation, the plant kingdom, in the same day, commanding the earth to bring them forth. It's interesting, before that, God said, let there be light. Let there be the firmament. But when it came to the plant kingdom, he commanded the earth to bring it forth. And so God empowered the earth to bring forth the plant kingdom, and out of the earth it came. He decreed that the plant kingdom, every species, would carry seed to reproduce after its kind. Now I want you to notice something. First God brought light, then he brought order, then he brought fruit. Now let me tell you something about you and me and our walk with God. First he brings light. There you are walking in darkness and to me the earth before God said let there be anything is a perfect picture of the lost soul. We are in darkness. We are in confusion and we are in chaos. And God sends light, the light of the gospel, the light of his son. And that light penetrates the darkness. And when that light penetrates the darkness of our hearts and we are born again, then what's the second thing God does? God brings order. He brings order. He says you need to get your marriage together. You need to get your life together these sins and these habits need to get out of your life. I want you in church. I want you in fellowship. I don't want you going to the places you used to go. And he brings our lives into divine order. Now, church, hear me tonight. This is God's pattern. Light, order, fruit. When we allow him to put our lives in divine order, it's exactly what he did with me. I can remember so many years ago when I was like 17, 18 years old, and God began to move in my life, filled me with the Holy Spirit, The very first thing he did after the light of the gospel and his spirit came into my life, he brought order. He he started leading me to Bible studies. I left my old friends. I began to walk in a new walk and divine order came into my life. And as that divine order was established, then came fruitfulness. And it's the same thing with you. So say with me, light, light, order, fruit. In doing this, now, when God caused the plant kingdom the fruit trees the plants the vegetation everything the whole botanic kingdom to come forth he was doing that to prepare the earth to be inhabited by you and me it's interesting to me he was preparing a table for us so that tells me that God always goes into our future and prepares our future for us to arrive God's not only with you in your now but he's also in your future waiting for you to arrive preparing something wonderful for you. Now in the fourth day and that's where we begin tonight in the fourth day God created the sun, the moon and the stars. Can you imagine let there be and the gigantic flaming sun appeared. Job testified By the Spirit, Job said, quote, by the Spirit, he has garnished or prepared or decorated the heavens. James called God the Father of lights. The Father of lights. He birthed the lights. Now, the purpose of the stars, the purpose of the sun, and the purpose of the moon. God gives it to us right here in Genesis. He says, first of all, the purpose of the lights, stars, sun, and moon was to distinguish day and night, summer and winter. The seasons. I've already noticed it's getting dark a little bit earlier. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Doesn't matter what they do with daylight savings time. If they never did that, it would still start getting dark earlier because God decreed that the sun and the moon and the stars would, would herald the change of seasons. The second purpose of the lights was to give light to the earth, that we might function. Thank God for light. Without light, we could not function. Jesus said in John 9 and verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. There's going to come a day and an hour, but we will not be able to minister the gospel, won't be able to minister in the things of God because night will come and God will change this dispensation. We will be taken to another place, and this, as we know it, the age of grace will be over. Night comes when no man will work. In John eleven nine, Jesus said again, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. So he gave us the lights, that we might function and work and do the will of God. Another reason for the lights, they testify of God and his goodness. You look up there at those stars. I was looking last night. How can you look at those stars? How can somebody who says they're an atheist, look up there at those stars, look through a telescope like the scientists do in our day, and not be moved with the reality of God because David said, the heavens declare. They testify of the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day, they utter speech, night after night. They show knowledge. There is no voice nor language where their message is not heard. Psalms 19. And then God shows his goodness by the sun and the moon and the stars. You know how? Because Jesus said he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good. You know, you think about the goodness of God. Every day, he makes that sun to rise on people who curse him, people who blaspheme him, people who don't live for him, people who don't even believe in him. Yet he makes his sun rise on them and warms them and gives them light, warmth, and life. That's the goodness of God. We look at a storm like New Orleans and people say, oh, you know, God did that. No, wait a minute, y'all. God did not do that. I don't believe that God killed all those people. Now, can I explain all of that? No, because God allowed it. He allowed it. But let's look at it another way. Every single day in New Orleans, in San Francisco, and other places where sin abounds, God makes his son to rise on the evil, on the good, every day. He's a good God. Amen. So they testify of God, and they testify of his goodness, and that's why he put the lights up there. Now next, on the fifth day, the fish and the fowl are created. Now I want you to notice something. In the beginning of the creation, God just says, let there be, and it appeared. Light, and it appeared. The firmament, and it appeared. But then when it came to the the botanic kingdom, the vegetable kingdom, the plant kingdom, God commanded the earth to bring it forth. But now look here. When it comes to the fish and the fowl, he speaks to the sea, and he tells the sea to bring them forth. On the fifth day, the fish and the fowl were created, and both out Of the waters. Both of them come out of the waters. Amen. say, well, what does that mean, Pastor Jeff? I don't know what it means. It's just something I observed. And so, the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the air came out of the sea in an instant. Just think about it. An explosion of thousands of species of fish and fowl suddenly appeared. If you've ever had the opportunity to be in tropical waters and either snorkel or scuba dive, it, is, it takes your breath away. Kathy and I love to snorkel. We've never gotten down there and scuba dive, but we have snorkeled a lot. And we did this in Hawaii a couple of times. And there's a place called Hanama Bay where the, the these hundreds and hundreds of multicolored, beautiful, splendid, fantastic Incredible fish team everywhere around the coral reefs. And you put your your face down there with your mask on, your little breathing tube, and you're just just taken, taken back by the glory of the creation of God. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Our God is an incredibly creative God. I mean, to just say, let the sea bring forth the fishes, and the fowls, and suddenly thousands of species appeared, teeming, swirling in the water, and then in the air, suddenly the brand new blue sky was invaded with thousands of species of multicolored birds, I mean everything from the sparrow to the bald eagle to the hawks to the cardinals, the blue jays, the bluebirds, the painted buntings, the little hummingbird started flying around, and God just made it be. I don't know what that does to you, but if you just stop and just look at one bird and look at the, the design in that bird, the beauty of the color, the way it flies, it's just an amazing, amazing miracle of God. How many of you believe with me that God said, let there be, and it was there? There is no other explanation for it. i told you that Harvard got a million dollar a year grant to disprove creationism. I can't wait to see what they come up with. And the only reason they're doing it is because finally creationism is making its way in the schools and really making some headway. And some schools are actually starting to teach it, no matter what the ACLU against Christian Liberties Union does. Because, let me tell you something, folks, it takes far more faith to believe that one day, in some ancient sea, billions and billions of years ago, as Carl Sagan used to say, an amoeba came crawling out of that sea. And as he struggled, and strove, and pushed, and grunted, and groaned, legs came out. And then he began to crawl, And as he began to crawl, more legs came out until he was on four legs. And then as he evolved from what? Eating what? Reproducing with what? Out of that little amoeba that came crawling out of that ancient primitive sea, everything you see, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, the fishes of the sea, us, us, came from that, professing themselves to be wise, they have become fools. There's no way. I got another question for you. If evolution has done this, and by trial and error, everything that we see in all of us, perfect beauty and perfection and and, uh, glory and splendor and amazing creativity, if everything we see happen by trial and error, can you tell me, where are the mistakes? Don't look at your spouse, look up here at me. No, I'm kidding. That was mean. Where are the mistakes? Where are they? They're not there. Because God said, let there be. And Almighty God in all of his creative power created everything living With his word. Then on the sixth day, God again commanded the earth. Instead of commanding the sea, he commands the earth again to bring forth, beginning with the living creature. This was the animal kingdom. Now God's dealing with the animal kingdom. Think about the thousands of species of mammals. Think about it dogs, cats, I mean, everything from mice to hippopotamus, rhinoceros, everything. Think about it. God did this on the sixth day. Moses called them in Genesis the beasts of the earth. The beasts of the earth. Now included with that were creeping things. This included the insects and the reptiles. I don't think there's more species of anything than there is insects. And in one day, the sixth day, God created the insects, everything that creeps and crawls, which I love as as a Little boy, my mother used to check my lunchbox every time I came home because I had snakes, lizards, tadpoles, snapping turtles, everything in the world in my lunchbox every day when I came home. So she would check it before she let me in the house, and she was wise to do that because different things came crawling out of there all the time. I love the creeping things. That's just me. But God made them on the sixth day. Insects, reptiles, lizards. The whole reptile kingdom, the insects, God made them on the sixth day. But now also on the sixth day, God comes to the crown of his creation. And this is what I want to focus on more than anything else tonight. In verse 26, God says, then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God made you. Now as we begin to look at man's creation, I want you to think with me just for a moment before we move on, that everything God made, everything that we've just looked at, had a purpose. He didn't make anything without a purpose. Everything had a purpose. The light on the first day to illuminate his work, the firmament to bring order, the plant kingdom to feed and reproduce. All had purpose. Can you say the word purpose with me? How much more if he gave purpose to a fly, if he gave purpose to a lizard, if he gave purpose to a cow, how much more God gave purpose to every human being? Purpose. Now notice also that before now, All that God created began with these words, let there be. Everything he created began with let there be. But now, for the first time, the creation of man begins with a divine consultation. Suddenly the Godhead is talking to one another and they say, let us make man. This is special attention. When it came to everything else, God just had his ideas and flung it out there. Let there be. But when it came to you and it came to me, there is a consultation in the Godhead, God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, and they say, plural, let us make man. Having finished the preliminaries, let us now create the crown of it all, man. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost called counsel to consider the making of you. No wonder the psalmist declared, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because he gave no other created thing the attention and the time and the focus he gave when he made man. Now when God says in our image, I want to be clear about something tonight. We need to understand this. When God says in our image, in our likeness, he is not saying that God uh, or that humans look like God. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. Uh, Let's remember that Jesus said God does not have a body. God does not have a body. I want you to say that with me. God does not have a body. Now, the the Greek word for for man is anthropos, all right? Now, here's what we do sometimes in modern-day Bible teaching. What we do... this is a long word but it's true It's, it's descriptive we anthropomorphize God that is we morph God into a man we make him like a man but God is not a man he doesn't look like a man Jesus said God is a spirit can you say that with me? God is a spirit He doesn't have a body. God doesn't have a body. God is a spirit. And Jesus said, therefore, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Nowhere in the Bible are we told that God has a body. He doesn't. Well, then how in the world are we in his image? How are we in his likeness? What in the world does that mean? Well, first of all, we're created in his image in that we possess an eternal soul, or spirit. God is called the Father of Spirits in the book of Hebrews. Shall we not therefore revere the Father of Spirits and live? Proverbs tells us the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, and by the spirit that is within us, he searches us out. How are we like God? God. All right, here's the way we're like God. We have a beginning, and God has no beginning, so we're not like Him in that way, because we have a beginning. Every one of you had a beginning. God had no beginning. Neither did Christ, neither did the Holy Spirit. But we, here's how we're like God. We don't have an end. He made us an eternal spirit. Nobody, folks, nobody... Is going to just die, and that's the end of them. Every human being that breathes in the breath of life has an eternal soul, and they will live forever in one place or another. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why we believe that Christ came to die for our sins. This is why we preach you've got to be born again. What's born again? What is reborn within you? Your spirit that is dead in trespasses and sins until the life of God by His Spirit touches your spirit and your spirit is reborn. But before it was reborn, it was still eternal. That's where we differ from everything else He created. Remember, I went to India once, and me and uh, my friend went into the hotel we were going to stay at, In the lobby was walking around a bunch of cows, just walking around in the lobby. When we checked in, here's a cow. And we said, what are they doing in here? Well, they, they believe that that is their reincarnated grandma. We don't kill them because we believe that that is reincarnated human beings. No, 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 no. No, that's not what happens with animals. You are unique. That's why God paused when it came to you and said, "Uh, uh, now this is special. Let us. Let us make man. In our likeness, in our image. I could pull a coin out, and I could see, or a dollar. I could look at George Washington on a dollar bill. All that is is a likeness. It's an image, but it's certainly not George Washington. Which brings me to another thing. God didn't make you a little God. God doesn't have a body and he didn't make you a little God. We are man, we are humankind, And God made us like him in that we have an eternal spirit. We are created in his image in that we possess an eternal soul. We are also created in his image in the way that God gave us dominion over his creation. God is very governmental. Now let me ask you something. We were listening to a talk show on the way here. The talk show host said, I just don't believe God's in charge of everything. They're talking about New Orleans. I just don't believe God's in charge of everything. I believe he sort of wound the world up like a big clock and then stepped out of the picture. That's deism. If you're a deist, that's what you believe, that God is impersonal. He doesn't involve himself in the affairs of men. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the very hairs of your head are numbered. And God does involve himself in the affairs of men. And God is sovereign. And he's providential. And he rules his universe. So he has total dominion. But look what he did with man. He made this incredible creation. And then he said, I give you dominion over everything I've made. That's another way you were made in the likeness of God. When was the last time you saw dolphins making people jump through hoops? It's not going to happen. There are hugely intelligent creatures that God made on the earth, but they cannot reason. You know, I was thinking today when I was thinking about this. My little dog, or all three of them, I was playing with one of them on the floor And I noticed that he's shedding and he's getting hair all over the floor. I thought, you know, here's what a dog is not going to think to himself. My gosh, I'm making a mess. (laughs) You know why? Because God did not give them the ability to conceptualize something like that. All they know is, where's the food? Where's the air-conditioned room? I'm hot, I'm cold. That's it. It's primal. But he gave us the ability to go, what a mess. I needed this, I needed that. And he gave us as man, as humans, the ability to look at his creation and say, wow. Do you think my little dog, Ollie, the terrier, looks at the sun setting and says, praise God? No. That's us. Let us make man in our image. And we were created in his image in that before the fall. Man was perfect in holiness, in comprehension and understanding of all things, perfect in purity, and he exuded the glory of the majesty of God. Before the fall, man was very God-like. He was not a little God, but he was God-like. In that, he was perfect in holiness. There wasn't a stain in him. He reflected the reality of God until the fall. These are the ways that we're like God. But God doesn't look like you and me. No, no, he does not. He's a spirit. What he do look, look, like, uh, look like, Pastor Jeff? I don't know. I think we'll know when we get there. But if we knew now, we'd die. The Bible says in Genesis that man was made from the dust of the ground. Man was made from the dust of the ground. He was not made of gold dust. He wasn't made of powder of pearl. He wasn't made of diamond dust. But common dust, dust of the ground. Adam means red earth. Did you know that in 1 Corinthians 15 47, Paul confirms this? Everybody say with me. I feel kind of dusty. You're made from the dust of the ground. say, well, there's nothing glorious about that. No, there's not. Listen to what the Bible says. The first man, 1 Corinthians 15, 47, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Your flesh is really kind of glorified dust. It's dust. That's what it is. So near are we to the earth that our mother's womb, out of which we were born, is called the earth in psalms 139 verse 15 listen to this my frame was not hidden from you when i was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth and job 121 likewise says calls the earth in which we are to be buried our mother's womb Pastor, he's just being metaphorical there. No, he's not. We came from dust. We're earthy. We are of the earth. Our bodies came from dust. God, it says, well, I'll read it in just a second. But now, I want to make a distinction here, and this is the beauty of man, and then we're going to close. Though the body came from the earth, clay, dust, the soul of man is different. The soul of man comes from the breath of heaven. Because it says in Ecclesiastes twelve seven, listen to this. The dust, that is body, our body, the dust, will return to the earth as it was. And the spirit will return to God who gave it. So when we die, our bodies just return to dust. But our spirits immediately go into the presence of the Lord. Not another created thing does that. You are unique. Hence, let us really focus on this one. Genesis 2-7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, that's where we came from, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So your body came from earth. That thing in you, called the soul, came from heaven. Life is a gift from God. Listen to this. The soul from heaven makes its home in a house of clay. And it is the life and the support of it. We've all seen somebody... In a coffin, in a casket. And don't you always kind of feel the same thing? You look at them and you go, huh, that's, that's the body, but they're not there. That body is just going to go back to the earth. That's where it came from. But the unique thing about man is that the minute that body dies, the soul immediately goes in the presence of the Lord. It's eternal. It's eternal. He didn't do that with anything else. As soon as the soul leaves the body, this is nothing but a lump of clay. Now I want to leave you with a closing thought. Perhaps the reason Jesus spat in the ground and made clay and put it in the blind man's eyes was to say, From clay I made the eyes. I can remake them. How about this? The reason he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, the Lord of glory, who was there back in creation when Adam was formed, was saying, I breathed life into Adam and he became a living creature. I can breathe the Holy Spirit into you that you can become a living person with life from heaven. Clay, breathing. It's exactly what God did in Genesis 1. Amen? Now next week, don't miss it. We're going to focus on the creation of Eve and where a woman came from. When Adam saw her, he said, Whoa, man. I couldn't resist. And the first wedding ceremony. Don't miss next week. Let's stand together, can we? (laughs) Father, we thank you. Can we just worship the God of creation right now? Everything that we see and touch and taste and smell and feel... Was created by God, but more than anything else, God's pay, paid special attention to you and me, and He created us with an eternal soul. Father, we thank you. Now, we're, while we're bowed in prayer, I'm going to ask us to pray about something, and then we're going to do something a little different tonight. I want to take up a special offering for the Salvation Army that we can send as a church to help send relief to those victims. I think God would bless us for it. They have nothing. They're destitute. And so we want to do that. And I want you to just ask God. Kathy and I have already prayed about it. We know what we're going to do. But you just ask God, what can we do? Large or small. We want to take it and we want to send it to the Salvation Army. If you make out a check, put in your memo, it's for the Salvation Army, and we will do the same, and every dime given is going to go straight there. Father, we ask you to speak to us, because you made man in your image, and now, Lord, half a million people are dispossessed of home and belongings, and we know you love every one of them, and we pray, speak to us. what we're to give. You go ahead and pray, and as soon as you feel you know what you want to do, you can be seated, and we're going to pass the baskets in just a moment.